Welcome to What If But Good, a podcast about writing badly until you can write well. I'm your host, Peter Lundquist. I'm your host that laughs too loud, Evan Pugh. And I'm your taller host, Silas Robinson. Each season, the three of us go through the daunting task of attempting to write feature-length screenplays from scratch in just 16 weeks. Will we succeed? Will we fail? Will we give up writing and start collecting life-size action figures, a.k.a. sex dolls? There is only one way to find out. Listen in each week as we battle our writing demons, each other, and the sound of a buzzing refrigerator on... What What if but but good? If you'd like to follow along with our rushed, unfinished pages each week, check us out at whatifbutgood.com and on all socials as whatifbutgood. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to this. Hey, guys. Week, week four. Oh, Jesus. Week four. Week four. That means there's only 12 weeks to go, roughly. That's uh, that's true. This that's... is ostensibly our final prep week. Yeah. And then we dive into uh, production. I don't scenes. think that's what production is. <laughs> it's not, but, I mean, it is for us. Oh, yeah. I guess that's true. We dive into, like, that font. <laughs> Next week is the font change. I've already been writing in, in Courier New. I don't know about you guys, but I, I, it just gets me in the right mindset. I've actually been writing in Comic Sans. I'm not kidding. I've been writing in Comic Sans and then changing it to Ariel afterwards because Comic Sans is like really, really easy to read. And it looks really stupid, which makes the stakes <laughs> feel much lower. So I've actually found it significantly easier to write in that shitty font. And then I obviously change it afterwards yeah. just for my sandness in case someone sees. That's, that's actually a really good introduction to our first topic, which is our tools. What, what is it? Oh, God, that came out <laughs> incorrectly. Uh, I mean, our screenwriting tools, which is still the same. What, what do we, how, what's everyone's like physical process? We've talked a bit about our mental process, but physically, what are we doing to get these pages done yeah uh good question so i've got i've got like a couple things i have a physical notebook which is actually in my lap right now and that's just like that's when i like need to figure something out and i just i'm sort of going like i don't you know i i don't know what's going to happen or i don't know what a character is like and i just need to brainstorm um i do it in here and that sort of basically i have a physical one so that i can do it at work without, you know, in a, in a way that I can just sort of pick up and put down really easily. And then the stakes feel lower when it's in my shitty handwriting. Uh-huh. Um, I have a very, very large Google Doc, which is where I sort of take the good parts of the garbage that goes into this notebook and then kind of condense them and make them look neater. When that's like where my beat sheet was and that's where my outline currently is. And then once that's all done, I'll have some as currently unsponsored screenwriting uh, <laughs> software. That'll... Get out of sponsors that'll never hear this. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, MeUndies, we're listening. <laughs> After typing in MeUndies new screenwriting software. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what about you, Evan? I've got my composition notebook. I prefer the, the mead ones with the plastic covers because they're waterproof and they hold better. And then I also have my Pilot Precise V5 pens. I'm very picky about them. I like them because they just, like, they flow real well. Hashtag ad. Hashtag yeah. ad. I'm also a V5 guy. Yeah. I, I, like the, I like the fine point pens. Let's just put it that way. And then I have colored pens for character names as well. And I have uh, colored note cards. I use the, the neon ones just because they stand out a lot more. Those are, those are my main tools, at least right now and then i guess my laptop what about you peter i uh i don't have any physical media 
I, I do everything on my laptop. I If you guys like writing stuff physically, that's great. For me, like, it's a chore. It hurts my hands, and I press down too hard, and I always, like, it messes me up more than anything because it's like, when you're writing, you can delete stuff. And for some people, that's a problem that they're always deleting their own stuff. But for me, it's like, committing is harder, so I can't, right. like, write physically. I also write in block capitals, which goes very slowly, so I don't, I try not to write physically whenever possible. Your, your print handwriting is it's just you yelling. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, ah, which way is the Winco Foods? Oh, I lost my way to Walmart. Oh, I'm just a very old person on the internet. That's also just your tone as a, as a writer. That's your voice. Uh, yeah, yeah, just aggrieved and sad, that's uh, great. confused, but also sure that you're right. About it. <laughs> oh, I, I, the Cracker Barrel used to be here, and now it's not here. It's someone's fault. It's Oh my god! Uh, okay, wow, I went right in the face from doing that. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I for on my laptop I have Google Docs, which I can work on from wherever. Which is where I did my first draft of my beat sheet, and where I did parts of my pitch documents. Anytime I think of a movie or a TV show that I either should watch or that I have watched, I think would be a good reference point. I put that in Google Docs, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I got a long list. I made a Facebook post this week about like. Hey, tell me what movies are sci-fi rom-coms. And people just told me the ones that I already knew, except for Multiplicity. Oh, so ah. shout out to uh, this guy, Zach Ames, that I met once five years ago, who suggested Multiplicity. Have you watched is, Multiplicity? I have not. I, I saw it on the shelves of Blockbuster a lot as a kid, but I have not seen Multiplicity. But from what I remember of the plot, it's that's it's a sci-fi rom-com. Oh, yeah. well, go Zach. Yeah, good job, Zach. I uh, thought of her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Her is not funny. I am not. I mean, it has it has its it has a couple. It's a little funny. It, it has its ironic moments. The scene where he's it's, playing it's the video game and like the little guy is like not cooperating with him or whatever. That's funny. <laughs> and one last tool, really quickly before we move on. I uh, I'm not sponsored by these people, but I talk about them a lot. The creators of Highland made a great little app. It's only on <laughs> Mac, which is unfortunate because that means I can't do it at my day job. If you're listening to this and you work with me. I'm, I'm sorry. But uh, it's it's a Mac app, and it just filters out all the distractions of other stuff that happens when you're writing in like Final Draft or Celtics or Movie Maker or, or whatever their other options are. I, I really like it. It's very simple. It's very clean. One tool that I really like is Sprints. You can set a little timer. The default is 30 minutes. And then it just tracks how many words you wrote in that 30 minutes. And if you don't write a bunch, you feel bad. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's good to keep me on track. Yeah. So good job, Highland. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, real quick, can we can we go around and sort of remind each other what goals we set for ourselves this week? I know it's it's all outline or note card or related. Yeah. Why don't we start with Peter and just specifically like what changed? from your beat sheet to your outline? For me, it was, uh, my goal was just to have an idea of what my 40-ish scenes are. Right. And I think I did did pretty well. It's, I mean, they they get denser as you go on. <laughs> the scene descriptions get longer on this paper that Evan so kindly printed out. And it, each one is, you know, like a little paragraph of a description of the scene and maybe some important lines. It started off as just like, I need to write something because I'm not writing yeah. anything and the, the date's getting close. Right. So it was all like two sentence descriptions, but... Now it's like, you know, it's kind of flushed out. The outline's eight pages, which it's not like, you know, a professional outline. It's all mostly notes 
to me, but yeah, yeah, it's, this uh, is fantastic, it's cool. though. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah thanks, dude. Fucking and a. What changed was uh, I really leaned into the bad guy and kind of like what's going on with other characters besides our two leads because I knew what their arc was, mm-hmm. I knew what they were going to do and what how they were going to change, but I didn't really know like what was going to happen in the B stories. I didn't really know if there even was a bad guy until like towards the end of my uh, beat sheet crafting process. Right. Now the bad guy is like a, a significant character who does really important stuff to hinder them. That's awesome. I didn't yeah. I don't even you didn't even really remember a bad guy when we talked yeah, about it. Yeah, I think last we time. yeah, I think we talked a little bit though about it, right? About your antagonist or Yeah, yeah, how yeah. there's going to be like a guy who's like Greg's work rival who, who was always a dick That's right. uh, before yeah. the symbiotes took over. And Aaron the dick. Aaron I the saw dick. it in the outline. Aaron yeah. the dick. Aaron the dick. That's not a reference to any specific Aaron. I just think it's a good dick name. <laughs> so, so Aaron the dick is uh, just this guy who basically he's Billy Zane in Titanic. Where <laughs> he just does <laughs> irrational things out of like cruelty and spite. Mm-hmm. And I needed a way for important things in the story to happen like I needed a way for the the alcohol thing that's at the midpoint to spread to the other symbiotes. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. And now he does that. Okay, and I okay. need there to be, like, a quote-unquote high tower surprise, which is where, in the in the finale, there's uh, something that is unexpected. And it, now it's when Greg gets up to the bunker where Sammy is sequestered. Instead of just uh, making his plea to her, Aaron is already there. He has to get past Aaron and also get past Sammy's objections and her bunker. And he comes up with sort of a way that I think is clever to do both at the same time. Which is, he... It's it's set up a couple times earlier in the story that uh, the bunker is powered by Sammy's treadmill. Right. Aaron wants to, like, fight him or something. And uh, he... Greg delivers this, like, Robin Williams and Goodwill hunting monologue to him, which is like, you need to stop running from your problems and you need to stop running from what you are before. And what it is is he's actually talking to Sandy over the intercom, telling her to stop powering the bunker so that she can get out. Right. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I think it's fun. And Aaron is just mystified by it. He's like, what the fuck is going on? I'm not running from anything. I'm confronting you. That's what this is. I mean, it's it's a clever idea, but it all seems like it could be a really funny scene if, like, He's genuinely really confused and frustrated by the tone. Yeah. I, I'm hoping it will be. Yeah. Like, uh, what What if he bought into it? I think just just I, to play devil's advocate, I'm curious. I, no, like, that's what, what I think he, into it? he won't buy into it at first, and then yeah. eventually he kind of break, breaks down like Matt Damon did in Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm stuck. I was never... I was always like this. You're right. I am always running. And, and it's like, <laughs> then, then like, one. Sammy comes running out and karate chops him, unknowing that he's, like, had this mental... Yeah, well, I think the way that I wrote it in the outline is that just as he figures out that he's not the one who's being addressed uh-huh. that's when Sam comes in and tackles him or whatever right. yeah yeah uh, but Sam's not the one who like beats him up It's it, it ends up being the people who were in like the yoga gym with Greg earlier he recruits them because they're pissed off about having lost their symbiotes because Aaron was the one who took away their symbiotes uh-huh. by right. by uh, spiking all the juice so Aaron spikes the juice Greg spikes the punch at the oh, company gotcha. party oh gotcha okay right. and, then, and then Aaron and then Aaron steals his all, all of his liquor all of Greg Greg's liquor. Okay. And yeah. uh, uses it to... They, they work in a juice distribution factory. <laughs> so <laughs> he uses it to spike all the juice. Uh, and then, then trucks go out and take the oh. juice to all the juice stands. And there's your, like, ticking clock, like a pot Yeah. Holders. Okay, that's yeah. great. That's so, cool. yeah, I, I wanted to know... 
And and listening back and thinking back on everything, I guess I had two big questions was, did you figure out any sort of a time lock for this? It's not as specific as I'd like it to be, uh-huh. but Aaron does have a line that's like, within 48 hours, okay. all the juice on the West Coast will be contaminated and all the symbiotes will be dead. He says something like that because maybe like early in the script, there's something that's like, oh yeah, we've got the most efficient juice business in the country. Everything gets out there in 48 hours. Right. And then Aaron can say that later. Yeah, right? yeah. Cool. It, it, yeah. It's not like a, an actual physical clock mm-hmm. but it's something and so you, you figured out how the how the booze spreads right it's yeah. it's Aaron's motive now yeah it's Aaron once he loses the symbiote is like I, I have to take this away from everyone else oh like, he gets yeah, he gets okay. bitter and angry yeah, exactly okay. nice. Great, yeah. great villain. Just petty and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just being an asshole. Just yeah. being an asshole. That's cool. And then I got a chance to read through thoroughly the first few pages of the outline. Um, and the one thing I was thinking was your theme is... Uh, you don't need to surrender your independence to be a better person. And I think that should be said as a response to him offering any sort of alcohol to the symbiote in the beginning. Uh, what is it now? <laughs> it's just like, he, it seems like, it, as you wrote it, it just seems like he said it in passing. Oh, you know? yeah. As he's, like, leaving, he's just like, here's some aphoristic wisdom. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good that's a good point. I, I have that, like, one of his co-workers states the theme to him when he's trying to offer them alcohol, but I think if it's organically part of the scene instead of just, like, the co-worker coming out and being like, oh, by the way, here's the theme, I'm leaving. Right, right yeah. yeah, yeah. Unless, um, like, I mean, in this world, I, I almost would buy that there's someone who just speaks in motivation also. <laughs> yeah. Is, was there anything else you wanted to say before we... we... No, yeah. I, I guess, yeah, that was the big change, was adding a villain and uh, understanding some of the stakes and some of the motivations for certain things yeah. happening. Yeah. Hi. Remind us what your goal was for this week, and, and same question. Like, What changed... I don't know if anything really changed completely, but I feel like it got more specific. Right. I think that the the changes that happened were just specificity things, Mm -hmm. where I was able to narrow down, like, what happens to Lena towards the end of the movie. She has a seizure, um, which is just one of those random things that happens. You know what I mean? In, In doing all of this, I kind of walked into... Something that I guess we'll talk a little bit more about later, but I walked into my fear that I have a static main character. Right. And, but what I was, and, and the way that I came about kind of realizing this was I was doing all my note cards, which is I literally take a note card, write on it, and then tape it up on the back of my door. And so, as a, in, a, in, in the process of doing that, I started to notice that a lot more was happening to Rebecca with Jordan and Lena and Cosmo, and they were kind of leading the story, and Steve was getting left behind. And so, I kind of added something. Um, and then I guess that changed where he his boss tells him that he hasn't you know wants to see him succeed and gets him an interview at like a sports network right. so he can be a baseball writer for full time okay because he has a baseball blog and so there's that little storyline that that goes through the movie but at the same time it's still like he's the only one out of the five that doesn't have like significant other right you know and so it's really hard just like it's really hard to cook for a single person it's mm-hmm. really hard to write you know single person scenes sometimes for sure yeah. making making it making something interesting without interaction right um, and I think that that's kind of where Steve's story is going is that kind of loneliness and that kind of dealing with being by himself you know like living by himself and just sitting there going well shit beer after beer kind of thing every other night I don't know it's 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 crazy to think about but it's it's definitely something that I need to figure out at the same time I already know that this is going to wind up like every other first draft and that's real short <laughs> <laughs> yeah because I, I have the opposite problem of what seems like most writers have 
which is that uh, I don't overwrite, I underwrite. In terms of Steve driving the story, it's just kind of like, I want him to be the main character, but everybody else is kind of taking over. Mm-hmm. But it's still occurring on his timeline, which is a little weird. And I know that just just in the terms of how I write, I know that like compared to what you guys have in terms of outline, in terms of everything like that, I have a lot less because I, I'm, I'm trying to approach things a little more organically. Like I have everything kind of written out and I've been writing out conversations. That wasn't my goal for this week, but that's what I wound up doing a lot of was simply writing out conversations between two characters, three characters, seeing how they interact and pulling them out of that vacuum because I had reached that point where like I had created five separate characters but had no fucking clue how they like interacted with each other. And so I worked on that this week along with the note cards, but but all those conversations you'll never see. Right. So it's just kind of like... Can I give you a little sidebar? Yes. Okay. One of the, the the most annoying games I ever played was called Final Fantasy XII. <laughs> Another round, children. And... But first, let's talk about game theory. So Final Fantasy XII is this game that is all about like high political drama. In the original early development stages of Final Fantasy XII, the designers were like, all right, uh, we're going to do something different. We're not going to have this hero. We're going to have like a grizzled war veteran be our hero. Yeah. And they put a lot of effort into like writing his story and the story of him and like this princess yeah uh, that is like not your typical Final Fantasy princess but like actually has a role in the politics and is active and interesting uh-huh. uh, and then it was either the development team themselves or some executives who came in they're like god we gotta have some anime in there we gotta <laughs> put some anime in it oh my god and so they introduced these two annoying fucking losers <laughs> Vaughn and Pinello who do Nothing, but they're the main characters. <laughs> they're the two main characters, ostensibly of the game. And and anytime uh, there's like a big political scene with Ash and uh, the other guy whose name starts with Bosch, I think, go out and they impact the plot and they do all this stuff. And then Vaughn and Penelo come in and do actions that clearly like one of the other main characters was supposed to do. And then they go, "Boy, howdy, golly gee!" <laughs> and uh, then fuck off somewhere else. <laughs> And, uh, and then you don't put them in your party, except you have to because Vaughn is like the strongest for some weird reason. Anyway, so the moral of that story is let your characters lead you. Don't try to lead your characters. Yeah, and that's kind of what I realized. And and right now they're just trying to blossom. You know, and I'm just trying to give them a... And that that's kind of the weird thing is that after having such a shit week last week trying to get everything together, this week it all just kind of started to fall out. And it was this really cool process of just being like, I'm working on this idea. I have this idea because now it's been three weeks and we've developed that habit. And so we've, we've hit that mark and now it's just starting to kind of like fall out. And I feel like I'm floating in the well which is like a, a meditative thing that I do where I just like I feel like I'm there every day now instead of having to work my way back towards it right I feel a lot more centered <laughs> <laughs> been doing yoga I feel like a character in my screen play <laughs> um, yeah I mean that, that makes a lot of sense and you know we, we've talked about this before about how like, Peter and I work best under extremely structured environment and our stories are very like genre-y and like plot-y and like big yeah, idea and, and high concept and then yours isn't necessarily like that and yeah you know you you i think inevitably are going to spend more time kind of tinkering with characters before 
like you start getting into some of the gets. Yeah, exactly. But it's at the same time, I feel like the the, the odd man out. You know, sure. It's just like shit, man. I come to I I try, well, but it's all it's also like subconscious and internal and still churning. For sure. Know? Well, I, I feel like you kind of have two options, and I see them as both being perfectly good options. Yeah. You could look into. Well, I mean, one thing that you could do is shift the story to focus on somebody else. Yeah. Like. As kind of as Peter was saying, like mm-hmm. figure out who is doing all the stuff and who is making all the choices. Yeah, like, write an act one about that person. Yeah. Another possibility is there's a couple movies I've seen which are structured in a very interesting way that kind of allows for a more static character. Are they all directed by Jim Jarmusch? None of them are directed <laughs> by Jim Jarmusch. Um, the, the biggest, I mean, I can think of a few examples, but yeah. the, the one that I always go to is actually the anime Ghost in the Shell. An interesting movie because it's really fun and it's really exciting and... You, you not the movie. The, the anime. The, well, it is a movie. It's a feature. Oh, it but is? It's, it's an not, 80s. Not the other one, right? Not the Scarlet okay. Johansson yeah. one. The main character is a cop, uh-huh. and in Act 1, she's doing regular cop stuff, going around her, her beat. <laughs> and then at the end of Act 1, we learn that she is grappling with some very difficult questions that uh-huh. she's been, have been really keeping her up at night. Yeah. And then for Act 2, she continues to do her cop job. Yeah. But we know that she is grappling with these questions, and so we can kind of see her thinking about it harder. And then at the end of Act 2, she makes a really, really big choice and does something fucking wild. Oh, cool. It really does follow a pretty typical, like, structure. Yeah. It's just that instead of the character doing unusual stuff, she's just thinking about unusual stuff. Yeah, that's interesting. It's a very sleepy movie. Uh Uh-huh. It really takes its time, which is why I think it kind of can get away with that strange yeah. Thing, but you could do something like that if yeah. if you huh. were interested. Okay, that's but, option one. Well, that was option one. That's option two. Option one is make a different character. Oh, okay. <laughs> option two is look into how to make the character better. Well, option two, or just or just look into a way to structure the movie around what changes they do go through. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As opposed to you know what actions uh-huh. they take. Yeah. Huh. And then just make sure all the scenes are really interesting. <laughs> that they all the all the things that they observe, right? Yeah, scene exactly. By scene are informative and right. It has to has to mean fucking something when you do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. From when I read of your outline, if I didn't know what you had said that Steve is your main character. I would think that Rebecca is the main character. And that's that's honestly the direction it's been going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh. And the the B story with Steve getting a job, it's it's like if you want Steve to be the main character, then that's his B story and you discuss a theme through that. Uh-huh. But if you don't want him to be the main character, you don't you can replace it with something that Yeah. makes more sense for Rebecca, mm-hmm. you know. Part of me is honestly curious to uh write it and find out. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Just kinda like let him lead. I have the outline, and it's just like at this point, I can I can watch things, I can look at things, but I feel like I just have to jump in and start writing these fucking pages. You know I'm, I mean? I'm guessing that's true, yeah. and and I think that writing pages is a really good test of <laughs> yeah. ideas, and I yeah. think I think all three of us are very very quickly gonna find out what is working and what is not working yeah. once we actually have to do that Courier New font. <laughs> <laughs> 
I feel like I have a lot to consider now. So Silas. So Silas. Okay, so I definitely spent a bunch of time kind of trying to massage out some of the, like, questions I had after my beachy. The thing which felt weak to me was the characters of Margot and Terica, which are the sort of the young apprentice and the uh, older producer. And their arcs felt very similar to me, and a lot of their character stuff felt very similar to me, and I felt like I either needed to make them both more interesting and more distinct, or condense them into one person. So I spent a while kind of thinking about Terrica's whole section with the corpses under the water and that whole thing and trying to figure out if that was going to make sense to work with Margot. And I eventually decided that I think that overall the story would be better if I had more interesting characters rather than less. And, and if I got rid of one of the characters, there'd be really big chunks of the, of the movie that only had like a couple people in it. So I, I went back and I did the whole archetype breakdown and I realized that the one kind of archetype character that I didn't have in the group was some sort of a sage like an Obi-Wan or a Gandalf <laughs> and I realized that that would actually be a really good role for Terrica. I'd sort of been imagining her as a kind of petty uh, very sort of Hollywood type person who's very kind of entitled and selfish and I realized she would just be a much more interesting character if she was Obi-Wan <laughs> rather than like I don't know a mean girl <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> So I changed her name to Victoria. Okay, okay. Because to, <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to tell you that, that uh, just I, the name Tarika is fine, but the way you spelled it just looked like Tarika. Right. So it was like... It was a, I wrote it as a very, like, L.A. <laughs> yoga pants kind of thing. Okay, name. so I can see why you changed the name of the character, right. too. Right. Like, okay, she was a terrifying Erica. Now... Yeah. Now, <laughs> a terrific Erica. In, in, in the transition from Tarika to Victoria, yeah. are there any... Is there any lineage, like... Are, are there bits of Terrica that remain in Victoria? Um, or are they just two separate people? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, they're, they're very, very different. Mm -hmm. I think that there's some backstory stuff. I, I gave Terrica, like, a really tragic backstory. <laughs> and it, it, enough so that I was like, I just sort of felt like I was being mean to this poor girl at some point. Because I'm like, she's an entitled bitch. And she, like, abandoned her son. <laughs> so so uh, I was like, okay, I, I, yeah. I kept some of the backstory stuff. Uh, made her, you know, a, a sort of more, like, definitely the wisest, most kind of thoughtful person in the group. So that was, I think, definitely the biggest change. And then in my original outline, she was the person who kind of descends into hell for the act three with um, Flora. And I think that it's more interesting if that's Yvonne, because... Most of the story stuff that I did with Yvonne involved him being antagonistic towards her. And I think that whoever goes down with her should be the person that she was fighting with most at the beginning to kind of show that change. And if Victoria is the Obi-Wan, she should really be rooting for Flora from the beginning. And it's less interesting. With that being said, what happens to Obi-Wan at the end of Act 2? What happens to every mentor what stage happens, character? What happens to Gandalf at the end of Act 2? Like, <laughs> yeah. if we have an Obi-Wan, they've gotta get killed, or at least be removed from the story at the end of Act 2. And the whole thing with them swimming underwater with the corpses was very striking, but I felt like it wasn't thematically rich enough, so I've changed it a little bit so that they... Get out your shoe 
shoehorn. Just cool. And just the most fucked up thing that I sort of thought of. Um, so uh, I, I think it's more interesting if I had that whole idea where they have to let themselves get devoured in order to proceed, and it's like a metaphor for confronting the people that you've disappointed and kind of accepting your own flaws. But that also basically would make it into a victory. Hmm. You know, it's fucked up and it's gross, and they're bodies look weird for the rest of the movie, but they still solved the puzzle. Right. So I think it's going to be more interesting if they sort of are assaulted by these corpses and they don't know how to solve it, and Victoria realizes that if she allows herself, she sort of makes the connection that, like, these things sort of become what they eat. They sort of assimilate. And so she does, like, the Neo thing, and she allows them to devour her, and as a result, when she does that, she can control them. And so she is now like an army of these these undead monsters and she's trapped in, in the bottom of the ocean, but she can step aside and let them pass and let them continue on. Holy shit. Damn. Um, this is the grand sacrifice. I'm listening. Yeah, so I, th- I, think, it's, I think that's a little more interesting. Um, cool. I do uh, like that because originally that, that idea was cool, but it also was kind of more passive than what you have now. I, I also didn't want to look at gross zombie <laughs> people for the rest of the movie. Yeah, I also thought about that. I was like, it is going to be hard to cast for this. It's like, good news, bad news. <laughs> and then the big challenge with outlining this was there, there were kind of two big question mark areas. One of them was the underwater part that I just talked about. And the other was the section that takes place in the manor with like all the partying and everything with the time loop. That is the only part of the outline that I like fully wrote out and then got rid of and did a second pass with changes. I'm not going to get into the weeds of what changed, but it's just I, I wanted it to feel compelling and exciting and a story that you're interested in watching that is a loop of the same couple of scenes over and over again, but isn't immediately obviously a loop of the same couple of scenes over and over again. And it, it I started by kind of creating all of these NPC characters and what is their loop and what are the what's the thing that they do at the same time every day. And I wrote it all out sort of using those people to structure the story and it wasn't that good it was mostly about a bunch of characters that I just made up who aren't, aren't what the movie is about so I went back and I got rid of all of them except one and then I also had the group split up and that didn't work so I had them stay together and it's just about our main characters and it's them doing the same stuff over and over again not the NPCs and it was well, that's smart yeah it, 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 but congratulations on creating a new cast yay let's use it in the next movie the stereotypes <laughs> it's the whole idea. Um, my my goal for for this week was to have just the act two. I'm I'm still kind of committed to only only nailing down act two at first, and then going back and doing okay. this whole process again for act one and act three. Once I kind of know what I want to what I want to set up, I I have been doing the thing that I think we talked about last week with the note cards, where it's what Francis Ford Coppola did for The Godfather, where it's like a synopsis a like like a, a the core like what's important about the uh-huh. scene and kind of what in one sentence what are we getting trying to get done here i have a section he didn't do this with the godfather I, I had a section which is like character dynamics which is like since so much of the story is like who's getting along with who and whatnot it's like okay it's a sort of a little section on where all the characters should be uh emotionally with each other then i have another section about like dream imagery and stuff that should you sort of should visually be happening that is telling the story of all 
all these people since it's such a the environment is so much a part of the story and then the last thing which I think has been the most useful for me is a pitfall section where it's like what is gonna suck about this scene yeah. and what I found has been happening is I'll be typing like oh fuck yeah this is so good kill it again I'm the king this is never gonna end and then, <laughs> and then I'll get to the pitfalls part and I'm like none of this fucking rules I'll be like okay well I can't I look like an asshole if I leave it blank and I'll sit there for a few minutes and I'm like oh man yeah there's really some shit that could go wrong with this <laughs> so that's that's kind of I've uh, been Working, working through getting those scenes out. It's a lot of shit to write for each scene, but I'm and as a result, I only have Act Two done. I don't have yeah. one or three, but I'm I'm hoping this will save me time when I'm actually clicking on the keyboard. We'll see. <laughs> Make it seal. We'll, we'll, we'll find out in a couple weeks. Putting your flappers to the keys. Yeah. Before we move towards our our, our final kind of statements and uh, what we're talking about loving and fearing and all that stuff. I, I want to talk a little bit. Evan mentioned it and it sparked curiosity in my mind. Casting. Yeah. Do you have archetypal actors in mind? Um, I sure do. <laughs> I, I imagine, Evan, like your script would probably have unknowns cast yeah. in. That would make the most sense for yours. Yeah. I can tell you what they look like. But, okay. Yeah. But, I mean, in terms of, like, Steve is pretty schlubby. I mean, in the beginning, he has, a like, a five o'clock shadow, and it's just one of those college kids that doesn't really give a shit. And then, like, later on in the movie, he has a full beard, sandy blonde hair. The the main, the other, I almost call you the main character. <laughs> it's, it's happening now. Actually, she has uh, curly brunette hair that's really long in the beginning, and then afterwards she's she's chopped it off to like shoulder length, and she wears glasses five years later. And then, to show time has passed, right? To her show time has deteriorated. Her vision has deteriorated. I mean, it fucking works. Yeah. And then Jordan has long hair and wears fedoras. It's about as far as I've gotten with him. Cosmo is a pretty tall dude. He's tall and lanky. Also wears glasses and has blue eyes. Lena is Hispanic and sassy and just a lot of fun to be around. You know, black hair, brown eyes. Really pretty. Yeah, those are, that's what I got. I don't have specific actors, honestly. No. I mean, I always try to. I feel like that hinders me a little bit, that I'm trying to, like, write towards a one person's mentalities, you know. So for the main character, Greg, I really have been struggling to think of someone other than Seth Rogen <laughs> or someone who... Or Jonah Hill. Or Jonah Hill, yeah. basically. Michael Keaton. Uh, to go back to multiplicity. <laughs> I think Funches? Uh, yeah, could be Ron Funches. Yeah. Uh, he, he he lost like 200 pounds and he's gained some of it back and he's a very funny guy. He'd get back for the money. Yeah, he, he would. He'd do it for the money. Uh, well, that's the, the way that I've always pictured it is Seth Rogen or a comedy actor willing to gain weight for the role. Yeah. You know, but just like a, someone who is is schlubby in that same kind of way. And not even Seth Rogen now. Seth Rogen 10 years ago. Which right. Knocked up Seth Knocked up Seth Rogen, not today's Seth Rogen, who's an adult. Well, I'm thinking Seth Rogen like two or three years after Knocked Up, but you know, just like, uh, funny, funny people. Yeah, that that era. funny people, right? Okay, yeah. where he's he's starting to get a little healthy. You yeah. can see there's a glimmer of hope. <laughs> If Chris Pratt wanted to get fat again, then yeah. you know, we put him. For uh, Sammy, I, I picture, like, Zoe Saldana. Okay. Just someone who, like, it, it play, plays against type a little bit, and that they're, we're used to seeing him as just, just an ass kicker. Right. But now it's like, oh, she actually has a, a character that she gets to play that has some depth oh, and cool, uh, yeah. it is in a different genre than we're used to seeing her. Yeah. Uh, what Science if, fiction. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would be... It would be I would love to see a midpoint where Zoe Saldana is just 
just like eating Cheetos. And, like, <laughs> yeah, it'd be, it'd be good. yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be down for that. Uh, for the Miguel character, who's the personal trainer, like the comedy personal trainer that uh, that Greg gets to whip him into shape, I, I only picture Terry Crews. <laughs> it's just Terry Crews. Of course. Uh, or, you know, I, obviously there could be some other stunt cast of like uh, a very fit kind of The uh, Old Spice actor. guy, or is that Terry Crews? That is Terry Crews. And then uh, the only other ones I have, because there's only five named characters in the screenplay so far, the therapist is to me like a, you know, a Susan Sarandon or a Carol Kane or, you know, just a, a mature older woman who can be very chilled out. And then for the villain, Aaron, I, I also see a specific character and it's Dax Shepard. Okay. Just being dick version of Dax Shepard. <laughs> if Ryan Reynolds, wants to, Ryan Reynolds wants to slum it, then Ryan Reynolds, but like Dax Shepard is, is who I'm saying nice. for the, right that guy. What about you, Silas? For Flora, the person I've always had in my head is YouTuber Lindsay Ellis. Hmm. I, I need to come up with more character, like more actors who could play that role just to have more variety in my head when I when I start getting into scenes. Um, but she's definitely the first person I thought of. For Joaquin, the sort of con man slash financier character. The character I've been thinking of either Robert Pattinson, Aaron Paul, or Cal Penn. Because mm. I want someone who like can be really cocky and sort of charismatic. But also could could have like a sort of a skeezy side to them. Yeah. Cal Penn is definitely the most polished version of that character, but I think it'd be interesting to see him show up and be Cal Penn and be super handsome and charismatic and funny, and then have it turn out that he's actually kind of a, a con man. This might be yeah. interesting. Um, with Yvonne. I'm picturing either Daniel Kaluuya, Rami Malek, or Pedro Pascal. I want someone who has sort of a cold energy to them, but who also like could warm up more towards the end of the movie. Um, obviously, Rami Malek is the coldest of those. Pedro Pascal is the warmest, and Daniel Kaluuya is like a little somewhere in the middle. For I say Terika, but uh, it's um, Victoria now. The two characters, the two actors I've been thinking of was Bay Duna or Amy Sedaris. Hmm. I. I think I could cast a little bit older now that she's more of an Obi-Wan character. And so maybe we could go with, um, fuck, who's the actress? Uh, Susan Sarandon. Go Susan Sarandon. <laughs> who's the actress in the, the, the best Quentin Tarantino movie? Oh, 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 Jackie, no. Pam Greer. Pam Greer, yeah. Pam Pam Greer would be a good choice. Ooh, that had, I had to dig deep for that one. <laughs> <laughs> and then for Margot, um, the two actresses I've been thinking of are Sunita Mani. She's really, really funny and very charming. And Maya Erskine, which if you've seen Pen15, she's the one of the main characters on Pen15. She's delightful. Um, so that's kind of what I've had in my head. Great. Yeah. So uh, Evan was mentioning a minute ago, it's probably a few minutes now, golly, uh, <laughs> about like where we write, how we write, because we talked about our tools, but not uh, where we are and what we do in that space. So Evan, I'll go ahead and start it off. Tell us how, how you physically write. For those of you at home, Evan. No, I didn't. I did it in the, fir- I did it in the first episode. I didn't. Evan okay. made a jerk-off motion. Um, I typically, I have two places that I like to write in the house. I like to write at my desk, but that's my, honestly, my second favorite spot to write because I'm sitting in front of a giant screen and whether or not it's off, it still distracts me. Um, and so I really like to write at the kitchen table because I can see out a window and there's no, like, screen in front of me. And that's really nice. I used to go out to write places. Like, I'll write in coffee shops and stuff. And writing in, like, cafes and stuff is cool because 
You can meet babes. You can meet babes. <laughs> but there's also the added pressure of everybody around you being around you. Right. Being like, now I have to act like I'm in a coffee shop. And what am I going to do? Oh, I guess I can just write. But at the same time, I work at Coffee Bean and it just feels like work after work, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've grown more accustomed to, to writing at home. I like writing in out, outside, too. That's always nice. But yeah, those are my two spots, really, right now. Most of my writing happens at work, um, <laughs> either in this notebook or on my phone. That's the thing I really like about the Google Doc is I can just when they're rolling and I'm off in electric staging I'll usually have my phone out and just be working working away at uh, the next scene which I will not be able to do once we're actually doing scenes so we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it so I do not presently have a desk so I write I, most of my writing in bed in uncomfortable positions. Nice. Uh, I found a way to like prop up my lower back with pillows and lean <laughs> against the wall, and it's almost like I'm sitting in a normal position, oh, but it's funny. it's not. Yeah. Like it's 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 a mess, and I need to do something about it. <laughs> but I I sit at a desk all day for work. Uh, I think I'm the only one of the three of us who does that. Yeah. And it's just like. There's only so much desk setting I can do. It, uh, it gets to you. <laughs> yeah, so that's, you know, yeah. I think we have different styles. Yeah. Use that pain, Peter. <laughs> Use that discomfort. It's, it's Put funny. it into the piece. <laughs> it, it's kind of funny that I'm the least structured writer, but at the same time, I'm the most, I'm the most structured with my time and tools. It's true. You know? I, I wrote, like, ten pages yesterday in the basket of an aerial lift. <laughs> <laughs> two things before we go. I wanted to direct at... These are the only two notes that I didn't read. Oh yeah, I've got three three notes. Two for Silas, one for everyone. That's a question. Okay. It's not enough, then, but go ahead. <laughs> so you you talked about that the theme of your movie is success. Right. And I think the second episode is yeah. Is that still true? Or yeah, for sure. Okay. And what's weird is that I the more I think about your idea, the more I think of Mayfly. That short film we tried to make. Right. Which, because if you remember, it was about um, a guy getting memories implanted. So right. that he'd feel better on a day-to-day basis. He'd have this, like, memory to, like, fall back on. So that that's kind of, like, I just thought it was cool that it's, like... Yeah. No, there's... I... I... I, like, have a really hard time writing about anything other than dreams and memories. Yeah. I'm hoping that this project kind of exercises that a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Write about a different thing. I wrote about dreams for four months. I think I'm done writing about dreams now. That's That's my hope. I would love for that to be the case. You you blow your dreams load with this one? There we go. Lock it down. So, question for everyone now is, are you ready to write them pages, girl? I... I hope so. Just writing the outline very, very quickly, I was like, boy, I got a lot of figuring out to do. Yeah. And yeah. it's going to be much yeah. the more so when it comes to actual pages. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was like, I, as I said, I got more detailed as I got into the second and third acts. Mm-hmm. And I think that oh, I want to do one more pass of the outline just really quickly. Mm-hmm. Just be like, okay, here's the stuff that I need to set up now mm-hmm. that I... Because when I was writing the Act 1 outline, it was just like, all right, this happens, and I know I need to set up these two things. But now it's like, I need to set up four other things in addition. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I'm going to try to do one more pass of the outline, and then I think uh, I'm fairly confident that I'll be able to get a couple pages done. Do you guys plan to write completely sequentially, or are you going to jump around? Uh, I, I plan on going 1 to one to 100. Yeah. Sequentially uh, as well for me. Yeah. But, but I know that you're going to start at like 30-ish. Right? Because you want to do your second act first? I want to do my second act first. And I I don't know... What's interesting about having such a locked-in outline, more so than I I usually do, is if I wanted to, I could just write 
I should, I could just start with like scene 54. I don't think it's probably a very good idea. Huh. The, the yeah, one yeah. thing I'd request if you do that is just context. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I, think I'm, I think I'm probably going to start at the beginning of Act 2 and okay. just work through yeah, yeah. until I, I get to the end and go back. we got to do what's natural for us. Yeah. And if that's, that's how you work, then that's how you work. I'm guessing it, it could be helpful to, as I am working on, like, you know, two or three scenes a week or whatever it ends up being. Yeah hemorrhaging outlining at the end like as I start coming up with more ideas and like oh that's fun like I could sort of start fixing the outline further down the road as I'm like like the walls and putting yeah, the yeah. tracks down as the yeah. train's moving like it's 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 uh it's writing has been described as like ironing you know as what as ironing oh, like yeah. when you iron something where you go a little bit and then you go back and then you go over it again and then you go back a little yeah. bit and then you go over yeah y'all ever hear how Tolkien wrote the Lord of the Rings what his process was you ever heard that story it's, no it's, it's, it's fucking wild he just started writing he just on a typewriter just chomp 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 and he would just do that until he got stuck and then he would take what he'd written throw it in the garbage and start again and then keep going until he got stuck again and then throw it in the garbage and he did that for 20 years until he had written The Lord of the Rings wow okay I'm not getting stuck anymore and it's 700 pages long or whatever yeah Yeah. exactly so so what are you guys excited about as we move into pages and and what are you nervous about I covered what I'm most nervous about already that's just Steve Mm-hmm. But in terms of actually sitting down and writing it, I'm worried that I don't have Final Draft on my laptop, and I'm worried that it's going to keep glitching on my desktop. Okay, that's what that's what I'm just worried about technical issues, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, you could pay for Final Draft. <laughs> <laughs> no, Fuck you we, we already did. Sponsor it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I already did. You hear that Final Draft? If you want poor Evan to finish his screenplay, <laughs> yeah. you gotta send us that free copy. Send us that. Send us that software, baby girl. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm most excited to just be doing this again. Mm-hmm. It's it's fun. And it's just like getting back into that rhythm and figuring out each scene going in and like diving into each one should just be really cool. So I'm trying to not be nervous because the more nervous I am, the less focused I am. Right. Writing Comic Sans, man. (laughs) Takes that edge right off. (laughs) I'm a Georgia boy. Okay. okay. Georgia 12, one and a half point. Okay. One and a half spacing. Peter, what are are you stoked for? What are you nervous about? So my excitement is just uh, specific scenes and my nervousness is other specific scenes and not... (laughs) setting things up properly yeah so like I get excited I think that I have a really strong idea like visually and comically how my first 10 to 12 pages are going to be but I don't really know like what happens (laughs) so I'm kind of like nervous about that kind of detail Mm -hmm. and like I, certain scenes in my outline are just like two sentences like alright we Sammy's in her bunker and she's doing stuff and then she leaves you know yeah. I don't know what, what is going to come of it exactly I'm just mostly excited to get stuff out there that is going to make me smile and laugh and be like yeah alright I'm a genius and I'm worried about being like oh no I'm a big dum dum <laughs> I am not doing things properly you know yeah so, uh, so for yourself, I'm excited to be writing something that is original, like that I'm that I'm excited about. It's, it's it feels awesome to like have some like big moments planned in my head where I'm like, oh, if I think like if I if I do a good job with this, this could be like this could really pack a wallop. And it's not about Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> like, um, I'm I just I'm excited to sort of write my dream thing finally uh, that's been rattling around in my head for so long. The the stuff. I'm 
I mean, I'm worried about getting pretty far in and realizing that I need to make major changes, which is why I've, I have such a detailed outline. I think I'm probably only going to write like one scene for next time so that I have more time to do more work on this outline, but I'm hoping that will help me out. Preps over silence. I know. Uh, <laughs> another, 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 tell it to the judge. Uh, another thing which I'm, I'm specifically worried about is being sensitive about these characters and dealing with their issues in a thoughtful manner. There's one part in the story where they're supposed to sort of in order to get out of the time loop they have to like reveal something they're ashamed of and I was worried that the scene is going to feel corny unless it's something which is genuinely really shameful and so I wrote some really fucked up stuff (laughs) and I definitely don't want to fall into the trap of just writing the most fucked up thing that I think of and doing it in a really insensitive or not thoughtful way but you also shouldn't close yourself off to any idea is just because you don't know enough. Right. I mean, it's we're in the information age for Christ's sake. Right. You know what I mean? So it's just like you, you nobody would ever write historical fiction if they Sure. It's, it's that same kind of concept. But yeah. at the same time it is it is a fucked up idea. I'm just telling you that like yeah. don't be scared. And and like I've seen a number of movies where you can tell that the writer wanted to write something fucked up and just swung big and, and ended up writing something really kind of thoughtless and insensitive. So I, I don't really have a good idea for how to tackle that other than I want to find the parts that make me nervous about that and show them to as many people as I can before I finish the screenplay and just get a lot of feedback before that's like locked into the plot. It's always good. So I guess we're on goals now. What's our goal for next week? Oh shit. Uh, Five pages. Five pages. Okay. For me it's up to the catalyst so that's like 10 10 to 12 but we'll see. Well, I could, like, in a week, fuck it, ten pages. I will see your five and raise your ten. And <laughs> I will see my own five and raise myself ten. I'll go ten. I'll go ten. I'm going to say... Sixty-nine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, hell, yes. Um... I'm, I'm gonna say I, I want to try and write the first four scenes. I think that's when they... I think that's how long it takes for the fucked up stuff to start happening in the, the dream world. Whatever that point is when, like, Xavier disappears, I'm, I'm gonna aim to write up to that point, which is low, but as I said, I... I I wanna, I wanna get a, at least a really good act two yeah. outlined, if not all the way through act three. Cool. Okay. Oh, I think I think that's it. I think, I think that's it. it. I think all, right. all set. Good thank, job, boys. Thank you, listeners. Yay. What if? But thank dead. you, final draft. <laughs> <laughs>